Hey everybody, I just recorded a super long intro, so long in fact that I decided to put it in the outro. I got you guys all up to speed with everything going on in my life, new projects, upgrades on the show, and uh, and uh, the one main little takeaway, there's lots of exciting stuff that I uh, covered but I'm going ad-free with the Here We Are podcast back to the um, roots like I always kind of meant to do in the beginning um, and I did for the first few years and I've experimented with with ads over the last few years and I want to experiment again with not doing ads for a while and relying on Patreon because having... Uh, uh, having now been a year since I've done live touring and uh, taken this time to explore uh, various ways of of getting um, crowd support and uh, and monetizing, um, I just I don't as a consumer. I I don't like ads. I'd rather pay to support people. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather get the uh, get the subscriptions, and I'd rather uh, get the, you know, everything's kind of you, you almost pay per channel now on on TV and and everything, and uh, I just think it's a better model than old days of getting the big cable package and then seeing. Uh, commercials every every few minutes uh, breaking up your shows I, I I love the idea of subscribing to specifically what you want and not having a bunch of crap peddled to you all of the time but also new comedy podcast coming gosh so many incredible announcements guys so many I hope you listen to the end but I didn't want to blab for too long it's kind of not fair to my guest who's uh, you know, maybe excited to share this with with uh, some people. So I, I I know I know a lot of you listeners are used to me blabbing for a while uh, and and being kind of long winded, and I'm sure you're used to it because otherwise you would have left. <laughs> I imagine people do sometimes. So uh, the, those who that stick around are just in to get the way that I express myself and speak in these kind of long essay forms and meander a, a little bit. So I just wanted to do a short intro to let you know to listen to the end on this one, especially just because I share a ton of stuff that I have uh, going on. And I think uh, if you're a fan of this show, you're it's a lot of good news a lot a lot of uh, uh good updates and uh I'm pretty excited for um for next month so check that out and enjoy this episode it's a really terrific episode if it wasn't a terrific episode i would have at least made sure to front load it <laughs> with the info but i'm i'm I, i'm i'm very sure that you guys are gonna like this enough to stick around all the way to the end and uh listen to the announcements so enjoy are we yes where are we here 
Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, we're talking Kratom. I know my listeners are going to be so excited to hear all about this uh, because I've talked about Kratom on other podcasts and subsequently have uh, regularly received um, fan mail from people thanking me for uh, turning them on to uh, something that, uh, that has had a tremendous benefit in a lot of people's lives and it's something that I literally I I feel bad every time I talk about it uh because I actually never researched the stuff. I am a bad <laughs> I I I am uh I'm not the the most responsible user of of various substances. It's something that I stumbled on that worked well for me when I was injured and I didn't look as closely into it as uh, as we're going to get to uh, today, both the pros and the cons. So I'm so excited to talk with my guest. Mark Swagger is joining me today. Mark, can you introduce yourselves to the good people? Yeah, sure. I'm from uh, Western Pennsylvania, and I'm an associate professor at the uh, University of Rochester Medical Center uh, in psychiatry. And I've uh, been fortunate enough to stumble upon Kratom as a researcher as well. What got you into, uh, how'd you stumble on Kratom in the first place? Um, I was uh, looking at arrowwood.org, the, the drug information website. And um, uh, somehow I came across it on there and realized that the reports of experiences with Kratom were pretty remarkable in their consistency. Um People were talking about pain relief, and um, mm -hmm. they were talking about uh, a feeling of well-being that treated their uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or depression uh, or uh, social anxiety. And um, they were reporting, um, you know, Kratom is a partial opioid agonist, so... Um, some people become alarmed at, at that uh, underpinning of Kratom's activity, but um, people were not reporting significant withdrawal and um, the downsides of opioid use. And so it's, it struck me as something that we should take a closer look at. And um, yeah. I was able to get in touch with the Arrowids who, uh, gave us permission to use their data and we published our first paper paper on it. Amazing. Um, so my own experience was uh, just for, um, so, you know, and any new listeners, I imagine this episode might get, um, might get some new listeners that maybe haven't heard the here we are podcast before. Cause I, I know, uh, Kratom is, is something that a lot of people have been seeking out as, uh, people are desperate to manage their pain in various ways or not even desperate just mm -hmm. wanting to and uh and especially with the opioid uh, opioid crisis and everything happening people are looking for alternatives and i don't know who exactly turned me on to it at first but i had uh 
I, I broke both my feet. One of them was pretty serious, required a surgery. I was on crutches for about a year. On a, uh, in that time, I needed another, a second surgery. I, um, I was on, uh, oh, I know exactly what happened. I was on a cane after that. So here's what happened. So I, I had the first surgery and I was, uh, I was, uh, what happened again? Oh, oh no. It was after the second surgery. I was on a cane and I was, uh, not no longer prescribed pain pills or anything, you know, uh, the, definitely the doctors that I encountered were very reluctant to, um, to prescribe uh, pain medications. Um, and, and, uh, so much so that I actually, the first time around that I experienced pain, I got a bone infection. I, I started healing. I got a bone infection, started feeling pain again, uh, like tons and tons of pain because Jeez. of the pain, bone infection. It went undiagnosed. Uh, I, wa I wasn't given anything for the pain. I mean, I imagine people come in trying to get opioids and stuff all of the time and, and possibly doctors need to be on high alert for people taking advantage. And who knows, maybe I even would have taken advantage, but whatever it was, they, they definitely, I didn't <laughs> feel heard um, when I was telling them about it. And, and late, it wasn't until I finally eventually started having fevers that they realized I had a bone infection, had a second surgery some nine months later or something. I'm on tour, I'm on a cane, and some days are better than others. And I was having a particularly bad day. I was in Wilmington, North Carolina at the Dead Crow Comedy Club, and I was complaining. Um, I think there was a comedy festival going on. I was complaining to a couple people about being in a particular amount of pain that night. And they were like, oh, you should go to this Kratom bar. And I was like, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's like this, uh, people are using it to get off opiates. And and uh, it's like a natural pain pill. It's, and it's like euphoric and stuff. And it's this legal thing here. And I'm like, I'm always down to try a new drug in, in total honesty. And so I was like, okay, let's check it out. So this is... This is now over a year and a half into my journey with this injury. And I had some awful tasting Kratom at, at this bar, um, which didn't, I, I eventually used capsule form, <laughs> which is so much better. But I, I had this first one, felt nothing, had a second uh, um, Kratom tea and started feeling like, uh, pretty my my well-being uh was feeling really really good at the time and then i ended up um walking and i'm like using my cane and i'm like oh my gosh this is the this is the best i have walked since my injury mm. and i was like what is this stuff so i did a little bit of research and asked a couple friends that knew more than i did ordered some like ordered like a sampler online experimented with a few different strains some different doses and it's something that really worked with me and then and then um also i'll, I'll say for so people have a 
in full disclosure and so people know the whole story i i mean i definitely would find myself using it just uh, sometimes too just because it feels <laughs> uh lovely and and mm -hmm. i sometimes i found that if i used it if i tried to use it twice in a day it wouldn't work it wouldn't make me feel better and it wouldn't it wouldn't, it wouldn't help with pain i never i never figured out like a proper dose to do that anyway and i found that if anything it did make me irritable which was the only thing that was like kind of close to a withdrawal an opiate withdrawal type thing that i experienced and um i i would say that i i would say that like i i would go on streaks of like a week where i had a real fondness or or maybe even i doubt it was ever more than like 2 weeks where i was definitely doing kratom every day even if i needed it for pain or not and and it felt a little more like i guess what we call like hedonic use or something um but yeah never i never had to like get clean or <laughs> and i i usually <laughs> i usually after whatever that that streak of a week or so of using it i usually was just like oh, i'm just kind of over it now and uh would maybe use it for pain but um but yeah I, I guess that's my that and that was always my biggest concern when telling other people about it was is this stuff addictive and is it doing some sort of uh damage to organs or anything else that i that i wasn't privy to so that's that's my story that's a um it's it's a pretty common story i mean it's sort of what uh the observational literature tells us about kratom use. Um, hmm. it, it's nice to hear it, you know, talked about in such a straightforward way where you're not apologizing for feeling uh, good when it felt good. Uh, that's not something <laughs> most of my, most of the people I talk to uh, I've, are somewhat apologetic for any, uh, a sense of well-being or um if you say euphoria it's almost over the top so uh thanks for a straightforward There's, account of, of your experience well just on that and not to gosh i know i just took was blabbing for five minutes straight and i can't <laughs> wait to hear all of your perspective but but That's um yeah. but ju just as an example i remember i think maybe talking with rick doblin or something at, at maps the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies boy i hope i'm not misquoting him Let, let's say it wasn't him and let's say this wasn't exactly the quote it's, but, it's but it was, i'm picturing it, rick doblin it, 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 <laughs> it was something along the lines of in in running the mdma trials for ptsd and they're having all of these remarkable results and everything uh, some of the people like the fda or whatever is like looking at the reports of what people were saying and they were essentially coming back to to the researchers going is there a way we can take the euphoria out of the drug is the way is there a way we can do this treatment without people feeling good mm. like uh, there's just such a strong aversion to someone feeling good it's really odd. so go on 
Yeah, I mean, they treat it they treat it as a side effect, right? Uh, to something to be yeah. eliminated if you feel that good. I guess I can understand. I can understand part of the argument. They've seen so many drugs like heroin and such that um, uh, really ruin people's lives by. Um, you know, there's some truth to the idea of having your reward system hijacked. Um, and, oh, and so, my, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a real, it's I, a real I mean, thing. Just to, <laughs> just to, just to, once again, Jesus, I'm being uh, uh, the worst host. Uh, Enjoy. To my my personal my personal story with with opiates is that I can understand how people could get themselves addicted to it and they are absolutely like for i know everyone responds differently and some people have like they make people feel off or woozy or allergic ish reaction or whatever and uh, i'm a person whose brain was (laughs) built to respond very positively to opiates and my goodness i i would do an opiate and and all seemed right in the world, and I'd be hyper not I shouldn't say hyper productive, but just super productive. I remember just like uh, both of my feet broke on on op- like getting writing done and being like, man, life sure is grand, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> and, and and so so yes, the argument I can understand the argument of what if something feels so darn good that that you you can't help but indulge and and uh run into the many negative impacts that come along with uh with addiction and overuse yeah but and and then it's oversimplified though um really the important thing is do you have a support system uh what are what gaps are there in your life in your social network and your um connection to other people Um, and it turns out those are really super important. Like they, they will partially determine where opioids take you, uh, you know, to the gutter. That is so interesting. Yeah. That's the stuff. And that's the stuff that's been ignored. And, um, and I think that's really come up with Kratom is that sort of, uh, can people, um, use something that makes them feel good? without destroying themselves is basically the government's response to it right um yeah uh, and the answer is yes i mean the data suggests um pretty strongly through observational studies that people are using kratom to good effect to treat pain to get off of uh opioids they perceive are harming them and to uh feel better and they're not getting you know they're not i mean when's the last crime you heard of connected with severe kratom addiction it's just not happening <laughs> and neither is uh neither is overdose <laughs> I, you know? I, I, yeah. i'm gonna go digging and i'm gonna i'm gonna find some <laughs> sure great kratom heist sure or there, something a- after this <laughs> i'm sure it exists i'm glad you haven't heard it yet though. but that's the thing right and also kratom doesn't cause the sort of respiratory suppression that's killing people so Mm. You can see why the government would want to I, shut down kratom use and uh, immediately, yeah. immediately uh, try to make it a pharmaceutical. Uh, it, and I, I've had my one night on oxy's. I, I was 
it was I hadn't drank in in a few years, and I was uh, on and I was just like feeling loose, and it had been a stressful year, and I I had a little bit to drink, and then which led me to do loosen up and do more um, more oxy, and and uh, I I think that I I definitely overdosed, and I I could feel my respiratory functions. Um, shutting down, and I, I think I got pretty close to, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can see how people, uh, what, what an overdose feels like and how it happens. Oh, yeah. I mean, people uh, don't realize it's coming, and um, it's not that hard to do with opioids. Everything was fantastic until it wasn't. Right? <laughs> That's, yeah. And, that, and That's it was the, like I was having to concentrate on every single breath that I that I took it was yeah it was terrifying actually it was like but also you're chill at the same time but intellectually right. I knew what was happening huh. so it's like I know what's happening and it's pretty serious yeah uh, if I could feel serious right <laughs> if now. I could feel serious yeah yeah <laughs> um so Kratom doesn't have any of that. That's something I didn't know. So no respiratory issues? No. Well, um, that that yeah. should be like all most people need to know. I mean, obviously they want to know more, but but if if there was if there was one thing to sell Congress right. or anyone else on, my god, right there. If if Congress's concern was our health and well-being and uh, you know, public <laughs> health measures that work, that would be true. <laughs> but that's not the Congress I know. <laughs> oh, man. What's the Congress you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know Congress. <laughs> but... Uh, but it sure looks like they're um, not really focusing on our health and well-being. Uh, I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put you in a <laughs> in a place where you have to. I was only trying to create a safe space for anything that you did want to. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I yeah. will tell you this: uh, the kratom issue in Congress uh, when the DEA um, was announcing their intent to schedule. Um, the American Kratom Association and a number of scientists um, who just felt it was the right thing to do, people like Jack Henningfield and Oliver Grunman, and, um, uh, were in touch with Congress about this. And the interest was, uh, it ranged from, uh, among members of Congress, it ranged from, this seems like a really important thing to engage with and, uh, and see what we can find out about, to... Um, I have a lot of the herbal industry uh, as part of my congressional portfolio. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so I need to be on this. Um, see. Uh, and, and people, you know, uh, uh, senators and uh, people in the House were interested in it. Uh, yeah. You know, it certainly takes a much lower priority given, well, the, what we're going through now. But um, right. Uh, uh, there was some goodwill, uh, and that, that made me pretty, pretty happy. Uh, yeah. Huh. Well, I, I, 
In a perfect world, you'd think during a pandemic would be the perfect time to reevaluate um, uh, different things that are that are maybe uh, stopping opiate addiction for a, lo a lot of people when when those rates are through the roof and everything else. But again, that's not the Congress. <laughs> we know. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Well, because I, I will say, you know, uh, um, during this pandemic, I, on, on the other side of it, so, so probably before COVID, I would have been, and I was, just more pro-alternative just about everything rather than some of the common models. Uh, I was even, um, I'm still you know suspicious of pharmaceutical things and this and that and but i i will say that uh that the the kind of wellness industry and and the alternative medicine um folks out there boy their their biases have come raging to the surface uh <laughs> during during covid as well and there's a lot of uh a, a lot of rather than rather than people positioning something like kratom or an alternative therapy or a supplement or whatever what whatever's outside of the norm rather than saying like hey here's maybe something that we can add to our toolkit there's a lot of people with a vested interest going this is the answer. Forget all of the, you don't need a mask, you don't need distancing, testing's a lie, all of this, all, uh, all of pharma's out to get you, vaccines are microchipped poison, and so <laughs> if you don't subscribe to my, uh, to my um, sound bath uh, subscription, like, th that's, you're, you're a fool, you're a sheeple. And, uh, and so I've, I now find myself, uh, in a pandemic being like, boy, I've never respected science and modern <laughs> medicine more in my entire life. So, uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there's both sides of kind of biases and corruption and motivated reasoning, uh, happening. That's uh, that's the interesting thing about the Kratom community, too. I mean, you can't really suggest that they're uh, uh, any any political affiliation. I mean, it's um, across the board uh, it, and nobody wants the government to mess with uh, their uh, Kratom supply, which makes sense for people who are using something that's benefiting them. Right. And yet. Um, you know, and they're they're willing to use like hashtag follow the science until it goes against exactly uh, the science, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's unfortunate because I really worry that there's so much of the wellness industry that has so much to add, um, and people are getting so much benefit from that are trying to position what they do as a magic bullet rather than. Ra rather than uh you know another fantastic silver bb in the number of things that we want to throw at all of the all of the problems um in in life and so um yeah i i don't 
I I haven't figured out exactly exactly uh, how to navigate that because I'll, I'll tell you before I was I was doing a, a psychedelic tour talking about kind of the research of psychedelic science and everything and it was my favorite tour that I've ever put together um, uh, right before COVID happened and since that time um, having like infectious disease people and stuff on my podcast and then seeing people within the psychedelic community just attack these people for no reason with the worst arguments imaginable because it doesn't it, it, it doesn't fit their narrative exactly which is that all of the pharmaceutical industry is evil and there's mad scientists out to ruin our lives or whatever and uh it so much so that it's like it's made me averse to uh, i've i've been a big advocate for all of these things for years and now it's made me be like i don't want anything to do with this crowd so uh, uh, anyway aren't psychedelics aren't psychedelics about opening up and seeing um what's good in each sector yeah that uh so that's missing the point. It's really um, uh, certainly the pharmaceutical industry has done tremendous harm, but that doesn't yeah. mean they're not going to make a vaccine that's going to save your life and uh, right. and and improve everybody's life. So, oh, uh, yeah, it's it's a mess. <laughs> it is such a mess because I I mean certainly you look at something like the opioid industry. Do you do you have thoughts on what the kind of current? Um, uh, pharmaceutical approach to pain management and and some of the some of the issues with uh, because I I mean I do think a lot of those people have blood and lives on their hands um, and yeah. and I I wish it was it was something that was part of a bigger global conversation. Do you um, do you have are you what, are you talking are about sort it? of. Uh like which which aspect i mean i agree they have blood on their hands i just don't know whether you mean the um ju the ju DEA just raiding doctor's offices or which part of it oh yeah um well that's a good question here i was kind of being overly generalized and uh, i and i should try to be more more specific i guess i i think in terms of uh, i i think i think a big part of the real corruption that that happens that's like run-of-the-mill corruption in the world is there's a product that maybe has some benefits in a lot of regards maybe has some side effects that you know that company has a vested interest in covering up the side effects or or trying to um trying to quiet some of the research that's showing that something like opiates or or soda or tobacco or whatever else is harmful um for you and and uh uses money to lobby congress and yeah and that sort of thing i i guess that's that's the main concern that i think about so there there's definitely that <laughs> um um you know most doctors in the last um i don't know five years or so have become very hesitant to prescribe classical opioids when they think they will be useful um, because they've been given a narrative that we, you know, they're creating a bunch of uh, people with heroin use disorder 
and um yeah it's their fault and i don't i think most medical doctors have to pay attention to that because that's the um that's what's being given to them but they would rather be able to prescribe opioids uh in a useful way without um the dea's input and so there's just tons of areas where uh institutions have blood on their hands and uh (laughs) there's plenty plenty Uh, yeah so so yeah so that's another issue that you're kind of bringing up is a doctor might Mm. actually be more inclined to with 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 their knowledge and expertise think that a certain people a certain person would benefit from more of it but but because of uh, uh because of the um the many things that have gone wrong with overdoses and everything else maybe be more reluctant than need be. And then that's creating other issues of people trying to manage their pain in other ways because they aren't getting it appropriately from their doctor because their doctor is reluctant to get sued or whatever else. And it goes to absurd lengths. I mean, patients are, you know, they're, uh, and I'm talking about pain patients. Now they're drug tested regularly um and you can imagine what that does to any kind of trusting therapeutic relationship they are um, made to fill out contracts where they'll consume a certain amount of gabapentin in order to make sure that they really need the opioids you know it's just madness uh and and you can tell i mean i'm i'm not always looking for some sort of conspiracy i i don't you know, I'm rel- relatively evidence-based, but um, yeah, the whole thing stinks. It's you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I think I think that there is usually in terms of. So I had someone ask me recently. Well, what's what do you consider the difference between a conspiracy theorist uh, or a conspiracy and and corruption? And I guess it's that that corruption has more of a a bottom-up kind of after-the-fact uh, feel usually to me, where there's oh. some unintended consequence. Where whereas a conspiracy feels a lot more like there are there's mad scientists or there's like people that are their actual goal from day one is how do we yeah. enslave or kill X <laughs> amount of the population or or or, or whatever, and and that's that's what their motivation is rather than uh trying to sweep some other thing under the rug or or whatever yeah i like Uh, like that distinction yeah Yeah. (laughs) so so in terms of some of the corruption that you that you see going on um out there did you is, is there anything that um that you are more concerned about than anything else Please walk Sparky for me. No way. <laughs> I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large. Deal. Get a sweet deal. $2 any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky, I would have walked you for free. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Offer valid through 4322 or participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required. I'm mostly concerned about the clinical aspects of it. Um, and, and that extends to like, so if we're talking about Kratom, for instance, 
I mean, this, this was a remarkable story of people discovering something that helped them before the government um, took enough uh, note to use that plant for its own purposes. And uh, right. so by the, t by the time the DEA had announced their intent to schedule, people were like, uh, no, <laughs> I mean, this is not right. This is not how we think of our, our government acting. I'm in pain and I'm treating it with this thing. And, uh, and you know, people were willing to take the risk of taking something that uh, we don't know the long-term and subtle effects of. So, Mm. Uh, but they were also willing to speak out when the government said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take that away from you. And, um, I'm, mm. I'm sure there was a plan for it. I, I don't have any information about what that plan was, but there's no way that the FDA was, um, putting out all the junk science they were without some motivation that had nothing to do with public health. Hmm. So what is the history of Kratom? Well, it's a it's a plant that's been used for centuries in southeastern Asia. Um, people use it in low doses to to give themselves energy. Um, um, it's it's been linked to uh, labor in that way, you know, in the same way that we use coffee. Um, and then people use higher doses um, to affect their mood. And there's a there's a percentage of people who use Kratom who will um, develop some sort of uh, habitual use, whether you would call that dependence or not, depends on, I think, the, the degree to which their behavior uh, is determined by the plant and their interaction with it. So mm. um, it's, but it's, um, you know, it, centuries of use and there's no record of anybody dying from it is the, you know, that's the that's my take home from my research is that that didn't become a thing until uh kratom got to the west huh well how how's this for uh, for some junk science I'll, I'll i'll just say anecdotally um it if i didn't get myself hooked on kratom it must not be that addictive <laughs> Because I've, go. <laughs> I've got, I've, I, I, I've abused about everything under the sun, and uh, and certainly gave myself every opportunity uh, to get uh, get hooked on on kratom, and um, it, it didn't, it never even felt like anything that came anywhere near approaching that. See, that's the thing. That's what the research is uh, is showing us. That's uh, it matches your description, and it also uh, indicates why people were so up in arms about it, right? Like if if all these people who wrote into the government and scientists who who um, made the case that this was not what uh, something that we should put on schedule one, if they had had experiences where they got hooked, and you know were withdrawing, and you know their lives were destroyed they wouldn't have been writing these uh, anecdotal yeah. uh, reports into the government. So yeah, it, it fits. <laughs> it, it, let me, let me give you another one uh, just because just to sing some more praises. Mm -hmm. So this was right before 
this is right before the election. I was out, um, so probably hadn't had Kratom in, I don't know, a year or something like that, right? Ne- never like, I better quit Kratom or anything mm-hmm. like that. Just didn't, just stop taking it. Um, had, hadn't even thought about it. Um, which is, you know, as, as someone that's quit drinking alcohol, I think about drinking alcohol all of the time. Yeah. Um, and so I, one day I'm playing pickleball, which is like uh, old person tennis on a smaller, slightly smaller court and with a wiffle ball and ping pong paddles. Um, I've I'm never heard. Ball, I've so just, never heard of it. By the way, oh, get into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's just slightly less running. It's it's tennis with less running. I'm already um, yeah. and and I I tweaked my back. I'm 40. Um, I I did something and I tweaked my. And I remember at the time that it happened, I was like, "Ooh, did something there," and and kept playing. Didn't even think about it. Three hours later, uh, I'm I'm sitting in a recliner, and all of a sudden, my lower back is just like, uh, like I'm like, have I been sitting for too long? What what's going on here? And then, and then uh, another two hours later, and I'm like, what in the world? Now this this nerve pain is just like shooting through my body. Yeah. I'm just gonna go to bed, try to sleep this off. It, can't sleep all night tossing and turning got like an hour or two of sleep wake up in the morning and um and it's getting worse and worse and i'm like do i go into a hospital right you know there's covid happening i don't if i don't need to go into a hospital i don't i don't have to or or if i don't have to go into a hospital I, i don't want to and um and i'm like do i what do i do do i go to an acupuncturist i don't even is this, am I exaggerating this pain? This is crazy. Like I've never felt something like this and it's just shooting through my whole body now. And I remember, oh, I have Kratom. I forgot. And I go and I have a bunch of uh, Kratom. I, I think I had a couple edibles too, which I normally don't, I'm not a big marijuana person at all. Uh, that's like a three three times a year thing i'll where i'll smoke weed for a week or something like that Mm -hmm. i'll go on a little uh, but anyway i just threw everything that i had ad you know whatever whatever i could uh, think of i think i did have i had i found some gabapentin that i that i had as expired for all i know from whatever back from my injury that i never used i just threw everything that i had at it but but kratom the second i felt the kratom come on all that all the nerve stuff just just went away and then it came back when the kratom started wearing off and i was able to use it a little bit again and like i said it almost never works twice in a row when i use it and then i used it again the following day and then i ended up even after the nerve pain was i'm like oh i'm having a nice time with kratom it's kratom week and then i just did kratom every day for a week until i was out of kratom and then i didn't i had no inclination to go and buy more kratom or anything else yeah, that's that's what um, you know. When we talk to people, that's that's what they're reporting. Um, that's what studies show across across cultures is that it's super useful for pain uh, and useful as a substitute for opioids and 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 maybe other uh, drugs that people want to get off of. Even SSRIs, it may have some uh, uh, withdrawal 
ameliorating effect. And so really that's anecdotal. That's uh that's more. So how do people evaluate that evidence? It's, it's really tough, right. but people have, people have reported that. And so I think that's an area for kratom research. I think, um, certainly uh long-term effects are an area for kratom research but that's a different kind of research it's um we really need clinical trials um and that's uh that's going to take take some time i think well what is what is going on right now in terms of kratom research what's what's happening out there what's what do you see on the way what are people advocating for that's a good question. A lot of people are advocating for clinical trials, and I think that uh, Christopher, Christopher McCurdy in at University of Florida. Um, uh, you know, I apologize for not not knowing um, exactly where he's at with that, but I think he got some funding to do trials. Um, hmm. Whether that's with humans or not, I'm not sure, uh, and that's kind of important. So the the observational literature that exists suggests i mean it's so consistent across cultures and across studies that you know we we kind of feel like we know the big effects we know that it's a it's useful for pain and uh sometimes mood and for substitution for heroin and decreasing uh, opioid withdrawal effects uh at least as far as people are reporting um and they're reporting it so consistently that it it would all it would be amazing to me if the trials didn't show that it works better than placebo. Um, but we do need those trials for, um, for, for a lot of doctors to feel confident that what they're prescribing is safe and effective. Uh, whereas mm. people will just buy it off the internet and find out whether it's safe or effective for them. And uh, there's some potential benefit in that and there's some risk. and. So that's that's mm. where we are, and I, I think it's moving slowly because it's not, you know, pharma companies, as far as I know, aren't funding this research. I, I could be wrong, but uh, at some point, I think they will. Is, is there is there any reason for pharma not to get in on this? And I mean, why why isn't there some big pharma company jumping at the at the chance? Is it is I'm it like sure. impossible to patent, or is there like something that makes it just less economically viable than current I pain? Last time I talked about this, I got last time I talked about this, I got an email from a lawyer. So I <laughs> I, oh, I don't okay. want to talk oh, about it too much. Yeah, no, no. Oh, the, just, oh, thanks for mentioning yeah, yeah. that, and and please, please yeah. only, please only like mention or say the things that you're comfortable yeah, yeah. with. All right. I'll do another I'm question. That, what? No, but I'm saying that to say this. Um, I yeah. don't know much about it. <laughs> so if I if I actually did know yeah, anything, yeah. it would be a much more difficult thing. I just don't have much information. I see. So what about what is known kind of scientific? So that's amazing to hear that there's so much... Uh, uh, kind of anecdotal, um, uh, seemingly, I don't know, consensus evidence. Eh, mm-hmm. those, those words can be tricky. It's I guess. decent but, evidence. Yeah, it's it's decent yes. evidence. I mean, basically, the difference is, um, uh, and I, 
I like to talk about this because this is kind of important for um, people to understand what they're reading in the in the papers and things like that. If people read papers, um, the evidence is through people, right? So, observational or um, you know, um, social scientists like myself can talk to people and say, "What was your experience with kratom?" and and find out um, scientifically that their reports match uh, the reports of people halfway across the world and aren't due to um, invalid measures of, of what they're talking about. So it's, we can say uh, with certainty that people are, are reporting that they find this effective, mm. but we don't have clinical trials so that we can say it's effective. Hmm. I just don't have um, any reason to doubt that it's, you know, that the people are reporting. Right. It's a fact. Is, is there, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's much uh, reason I, to doubt it. What, what do the, what do the, um, uh, negative anecdotes say, or, or even, you know, like I, like I said, uh, uh, I, I mean, I can, I can clearly, I can remember times that I was so irritable, I kind of embarrassed myself, like with my with my girlfriend at, at, at the time or whatever, and like snapped. It, it, it was was like just a uh, uncharacteristically dickish for was it, no reason one evening. Was it was it sort of a kratom related withdrawal thing or I I think so. It was it, it was actually pretty reliable if I tried to do it twice. Or like three times in a day or something like that uh -huh. it was it was like the second it was like the second dose didn't get me uh there and if anything just felt like it made me irritable and maybe sometimes if i remember right a little bit headachey there are, yeah there are reports of headaches irritability um there there are certainly nausea maybe the most frequently reported side effect. Um, so there are some downsides and certainly um, people get into trouble with it. Uh, your your oh. experience is, is very, um, I mean, it's pretty representative of, of what we're assessing, but mm -hmm. you get this small percentage of people who um, feel like they can't stop using it. And so it is, it is something to keep mm -hmm. an eye on uh, but it's certainly not something to make illegal and create a black market for when it's not killing people. Uh, Especially yeah. when there's confounds, like sometimes when someone finds something that, and like there's a lot of other things going on in their life and they have like this one thing that's working for them yes. that they're holding on to, like someone needs to do their like yoga practice or their like OCD thing each day or, or the world's like falling apart. And it might just be the case that in, in certain individuals, it's Kratom is that, that, uh, that one kind of linchpin that's, <laughs> that's holding them together in a kind of fragile system. That's, that's sort of what people are saying. They're saying, I've got two, three uh, comorbid conditions, and I'm trying to treat them. And I, you know, it, this is really for people who don't feel comfortable in the medical system and have had bad mm. experiences with doctors, maybe, 
and who are trying to treat themselves. And, you know, there's a whole discussion to be had about whether to do that or not, but we can't deny that they're treating themselves and they're reporting that it's effective. Uh, yeah. That's, that's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, oh man, I'm, I'm so much for, for people finding their, uh, cause life is so infinitely complex and a doctor can't know, can't like insert their consciousness inside of another mm -hmm. person and feel the pain that they're feeling or yeah. whatever else and know exactly what's going to work for every single individual and know every single cause of every of the zillion medical things that you have to spend 16 years studying to even have a hope of knowing a sliver of it and uh and so it is you know it's it's part of people do need to take some individual responsibility for uh for their health too and and listen to their body and Whatnot. It's it, it's tough if you if you want to find out that what you just said is true, go into your doctor and say psilocybin is my ally and see what they say to you. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not a particularly um, sophisticated understanding of uh, psychoactive compounds. What being a doctor is is a sophisticated understanding of sanctioned medic medicines and their interactions with your physical condition right or other medicines you're taking and what might be best for you within that frame what a great litmus test for finding a good doctor <laughs> or therapist though my goodness i think you've just stumbled on something I hope um <laughs> uh, here's something um i definitely would caution people away from mixing alcohol with kratom boy that's something that uh not not just me because I, I didn't have the i didn't even have the same um negative impact as a lot of people but people that i've introduced kratom to um if they ever mix it with alcohol would it wasn't uncommon for them to report having a horrible horrible hangover um the oh. following day so I, i've heard that anecdotally too uh i'm not surprised um uh, you know alcohol is messy right it's it, it interacts with all the drugs you're taking basically no matter what yeah. um so um yeah i don't i don't re recommend that do we do we know just kind of neurologically what kratom is doing uh, when when you say um a uh, partial opiate agonist is it is it how similar is it to a traditional opiate and what are what are the differences so i'm trained as a psychologist and that's you know right. that's uh, uh but i'll try um in the way that uh, classical opioids are stimulating uh, different opioid receptors in your brains, in your brain, uh, so is kratom to a lesser extent and fewer of the types of receptors, as far as I know. So I, uh, you know, when I was uh, talking to pharmacologists who were uh, telling me how to think about it, 
they would talk about it being a partial opioid agonist. So it's doing some of the activity at some of the receptors that, that opioids like, you know, heroin or Vicodin are doing, um, but not all of them. And um, especially not the, um, the ones that control respiratory uh, suppression. And um, so mm. in, in addition to that, uh, there's a lot that's unknown about what's going on with Kratom and, you know, which, um, which alkaloids are most important. They're pinning that down and uh, also trying to figure out which receptors it interacts with serotonin's involved. Cause you know, serotonin's involved with everything. So um, that, that's my understanding, but I don't, I don't get very reductionistic. Uh, I think most of the, information on drug use in humans that we've gotten that is useful was you know before fmri so yeah um well this this may be kind of outside of what you do as well but do you do you have any uh is there anything that you can tell me about what's what's kind of the deal with all the different strains and and are there different kinds of kratom what's going on with the uh, you know, so one, one dose, one dose is, uh, makes you sleepy. You take twice as much to stimulant. What's, uh, <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I've, it's been, a, it's been a while since I used Kratom regularly. So I don't, I don't remember the various interactions. I think I, I think I remember using the white Kratom the most, which was, um, pitched as, more of a stimulant and mm -hmm. whether it was or it was a placebo or when i tried it and i lucked out with the dosage or whatever and it was just the one that uh, uh that worked for me and and maybe maybe one of the other ones would have even been a a better or just the same effect had i done you know who knows the the number of other confounds there were i i wasn't doing a very rigorous <laughs> research where was your control i was just kind of i was kind of throwing a lot of kratom in my mouth and seeing what, That's what it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> So I'll say, I'll talk about my understanding of it, but I will be corrected immediately because you know people are on top of this. Um, yeah, you know, you know the, I think the most useful distinction has sort of been the white, green, red uh, strain distinction, with the red strains being somewhat more sedating and the green being somewhere in the middle, and the white, as you as you said, being a little bit speedy. Um, I think they all, uh, you know at low doses are similar to coffee uh, because they're, they're all a bit more stimulating at lower doses. And then if you take a bunch, people are saying that uh, the, the red are, are much more sedating than the other ones. So I, I think there's something to that, you know, but whether, you know, if you had an understanding of the specific alkaloids in any given sample, you would know uh, better than, uh, than what we're talking about with these strains. And, and I think people will start to pull that together, uh, like, like with cannabis and uh, the terpenes and the different uh, ways of understanding what you're getting. Uh, I, I think that's, if, if Kratom stays legal, um, I think that that's going to be part of the, uh, the marketing. And another thing you, you mentioned was uh, the sort of different effects you're 
getting, uh, or maybe you didn't mention that. Maybe that was the, the usual voices, but the, I, I think that the, uh, I, it depends. Yeah. You mentioned the confounds. It depends so much on all the other stuff going on, right? Like set and setting mm-hmm. is important for everything. It's not just psychedelics. Um, it's, it's everything. And, um, and there are many confounds based on what you know people are taking. I do I do want to you know there's a standard disclaimer um, if you're going to use use at your own risk and if you're using you know like five grams or more a day uh, and you feel like you need it then it's worth looking at your relationship to the plant. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but well under that people are using it to good effect without uh without a lot of problems so what about in 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 the kind of current system i I think i think one of the um wonderful things that uh that pharmaceuticals could eventually provide and don't at the moment and there's plenty of reason for caution and suspicion and everything else but but having a having kind of a more of a standardized still saying and even with with you say in terms of marijuana having um the ability to eventually design the experience a little bit more and know exactly you know beyond like this one makes you relaxed this one is like if, if you if you uh, want to be a little more toward the productive side, and then it's like, okay, do you also want to feel jovial, or is this <laughs> one? Uh, does this one make you a little more creative? And and isolating if these things are actually doing this stuff or what? But it but it seems like certainly with marijuana, there's been some headway there. It's my understanding, my limited understanding that. Um, you know the the jury's out on just how accurate uh, a lot of those uh and and, and certainly you you go if you don't trust a pharmaceutical company you probably shouldn't trust a drug dealer yeah. either you probably shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't necessarily trust every bud tender it, de- it depends uh, on the drug that dealer. there is more than a doctor it definitely, yeah, yeah it depends <laughs> it depends just like there's good doctors yeah. there's good bud bud tenders there's good therapist there's there's bad uh, or even just poorly informed mm-hmm. or misguided or or people that are maybe overselling their uh, their product and you, once you make anything a, a product and you're and you're making money off of it it's easy to th- you know add a few more impressive sounding yes. adjectives and make- on the product that you're selling yeah i mean this is like i'll i'll sell a i'll i'll do an ad on this show and i'm gonna you know i'll i'll probably highlight some of the positive effects of what uh, 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 and benefits of the whatever product that uh, in the ad that's been inserted in this episode and i'll probably downplay some of the some of the negative things and this is like this is what happens when you mm-hmm. monetize things and have motivated reasoning and um you know that the um the cannabis thing is so interesting to me because i i I don't know that much about cannabis. I didn't grow up in a, a culture where I learned much. And, uh, but I did do uh, criminal 
justice research. And so I talked mm. to a lot of people who were um, getting repeated charges for, you know, just cannabis possession. Um, and then I had a girlfriend from Portland and would go out to Portland and walk into these shops where they've got this stuff, you know, basically broken down uh, by who are you and what do you want? We can give you your strain. Uh, and so it's just this ridiculous of, uh, the use of cannabis to oppress some people while um, exploiting the market and developing um, more and more attractive options that actually help other people. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of political yeah. work to be done on that, but I, I guess everybody yeah, else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of kind of head shops and whatnot, right now you go and get Kratom and, and, uh, and, depending on the state or whatever you're going into some tacky bong shop you know that's like boy was that dragon bong super cool looking when i was 16 years old but i'm not sure i want my medicine from the same person <laughs> selling me the dragon bong now that i'm a 40 year old adult uh and and that's even uh, yeah i'm not trying to be unfair to the dragon bong people i love yeah, a what's good what's your deal why do you dragon, hate them i i, I <laughs> I, I well, maybe love you some don't you just don't want to get your medication and... from them frankly uh, yeah, or, yeah 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 and, and <laughs> so so it's uh, you know it, it's I'll, I'll say this i don't blame people for having a little bit of a lack of trust uh when the if, if you're going into get medicine from a place covered in black lights and <laughs> i <laughs> no judgment here I, I i say put black lights in the doctor's office i'm going to get a physical uh, <laughs> throw a laser light show i i want my physicals to come with the laser light show from here on out Don't that's, we all. that's great <laughs> but <laughs> But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame people for uh for being a little judgmental and and even more than that you know you have a run some rundown gas station and now this is uh some person that knows knows as much about the Snickers bar that they're selling you as they as they do the kratom. Mm -hmm. What uh, do you have any opinion on? on good options for people in the current scenario. I, I myself have, uh, I don't, I don't remember the name of, uh, the site that I used off the top of my head. It's been like two or three years since I've ordered Kratom, but, um, it is, is going online. Uh, to, to me, it seems like even with, this is one of the appeals with even like the dark web or something with doing things that are like illegal where where at least with there's like customer reviews <laughs> yes <laughs> that you can go and see that other people have ha i trust that a lot more than you know old uh old druggy steve down the street trying to tell me about how great his molly is and how it's the purest stuff that that he's ever got through and you got to try this 
and so to me, if I had to guess, I would say if someone asked me for advice, one, don't write me asking for drug advice because I won't <laughs> give you any. Happens all the time. I won't respond to you. I don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, but if I were forced to, I would say go online and do some research, find some places that has good reviews. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things is that the American Kratom Association is um, promoting these uh, Kratom Consumer Protection Acts in different states. And in some states, they've been passed. I can't remember which ones. But um, I think one component of that is, uh, or at least certainly one component people should be looking for, is do, uh, do the manufacturers of their product use uh, good manufacturing practices? Uh, GM, do they have a GMP facility where they've actually um, submitted to some sort of testing of their product? And um, so I'm, uh, once again, I'm probably not, I don't know the language, um, but something like that is pretty important for um, a substance that could easily be adulterated or not be Kratom at all. Um, so just to have some uh, voluntary um, testing done. And um, I don't want to name particular Kratom manufacturers, but I think people that's, can that's find, fine. yeah, people, people can find uh, uh, good sites there. And frankly, the, the idea of contamination is used to scare people more than it actually occurs. Um, mm -hmm. There've been some, you know, there was at least uh, one study I saw recently that like looked and said, you know, we're not, finding contamination in Kratom products. And so it's not a, it's not a big thing. Uh, although when it does happen, it can be incredibly dangerous. So, uh, it's worth seeing what your supplier is doing to indicate that their product is being regulated in some way until, um, un until law is applied to it in a, any, any particular state. I, I guess the other advice that I'd give someone is is that if they do happen to be fortunate enough to be in, like, a, I discovered Kratom at a Kratom bar in Wilmington, I I, I think that I, um, I think a Kratom bar is a really nice uh, place to go and have your first experience is they're, you know, probably obviously probably pretty enthusiastic about Kratom and are probably particular <laughs> and just, just, just like, um, just like a, a wine bar is probably not, um, is not probably not going to be selling the bottom of the barrel, uh, wine. Um, a Kratom bar is probably, you're, you're probably pe dealing with people that have already put in a, a fair amount of the research, um, for you and, and, done a lot of sampling and received feedback from customers and everything else what one thing free market capitalists and socialists can agree on is don't poison your customers so uh, <laughs> that, yeah i think you're right um so as we're wrapping up i was i was curious as i love asking my guests all sorts of things outside of the realm of what they are uh <laughs> what their actual uh -oh. research or whatever is oh. about um 
no, it's just about it's just about what you could say about current uh, current laws and where they I, I I should have looked before, but like where where we're at right now in terms of are there states where kratom is becoming illegal? Is is that is that looking worse or better or what's what's kind of happening on that it's been front weird or, or your feelings? I, I don't okay. think a lot of the information about what's happening is getting out, and I don't I don't know. Um, oh, okay. The uh, the American Kratom Association has a map uh, where they show uh, where kratom is legal, illegal, um, where they are um, considering the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, if I remember correctly. Mm. So um, you can get pretty up to date. Um, information from there uh but i i haven't heard much lately because our country's you know we've got a coup going on and uh <laughs> so uh, people, <laughs> yeah. are, people stop paying as much attention to kratom <laughs> uh, yeah um well we'll see i'm i'm still hopeful that uh that donald trump will will finally get his day in the supreme court will will People will finally see that our hero uh, has been wronged. Um, it's an That's funny. It's the, the, this will this will come out. Hope, hopefully, by the time this will come out, that all of that stuff will be that man will have been removed from the White House. But we'll see. Um, I went to look at your papers last night that a lot you sent of people me go to look at my papers it's tough to really look at them though i, I couldn't open them couldn't open the files See? i i want i, I wanted you. to email <laughs> i wanted to email you that's what everybody says and, about my and research. ask you and then it was <laughs> couldn't open the files. most common most common comment on my research couldn't open the files <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to re I'm, I'm happy to resend them. <laughs> uh, yeah, please do. Um, but but this was just a general conversation about kratom, which I appreciate you joining me for. But I I want to direct people because uh, I I can assure you there's going to be a lot of people listening that are super interested and want to know more oh, good. could you one tell people uh, direct people to where they can go to find your research and could you maybe uh could you maybe give us because i know i don't have you i only have you for like another five minutes could you maybe run down some just give us some abstracts kind of of, of uh some of the work that you've been doing with kratom sure um thank you for that um so there's a 2018 paper that i wrote with zach walsh we were just trying to um, compile all the existing information on kratom use and mental health. So we, we um, pulled together a number of studies uh, and sorted them according to rigor and kept the ones that were, um, that were really that we could evaluate based on what they reported. So uh, if you, if you just uh, it's on researchgate.net, um, my, uh, my name is Mark Swagger with a C in the, in the first name and, um, and I'm on Twitter at Mark Swagger. So if you get a hold of me, I'm happy to send you that paper. It's got really a lot of good information about, uh, 
what Kratom users are reporting. And then um, the, the American Kratom Association website is excellent for, for information. Uh, we did that Arrowwood paper uh, and some papers since then, um, finding that Kratom use is not associated with, um, it's actually associated with lower risk of uh, HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases uh, in Asia, in, in Southeastern Asia. So um, there seems to be some harm reduction thing going on there that we don't quite understand. <laughs> is, is that, uh, so, is, is that is, potentially because of some sexual dysfunction? From oh, you never know, right? <laughs> like whatever, whatever. I don't know. That, that's for future research. Um, well, so, I, I, I know from, I, I, don't, I don't recall from Kratom, but I, re regular opiates certainly impair um, some, some sexual function. You know, I think we speculated that it was, it was due <laughs> that to might be a, That might be a very heroin, positive but... reframing of, of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> People with erectile dysfunction have lower rates of STDs. See, now Sorry, you're, now you're thinking mean, like a scientist. I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to mock confounds, but we're having fun. <laughs> no, I think I think that's a very important area for future research. And uh, is erectile dysfunction and kratom? But I don't know anything yeah. about it. So. Uh, I think, I think it's that's worth looking it. into. It might that's, be just uh, yeah. the opposite, for all we know. Well, uh, anecdotal evidence goes both ways on just about everything. So, <laughs> right, right, yeah, ups and downs. So, speaking of 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 those of the uh, meta analysis or whatever that you did, going through all of those studies, I want to here's what I, that that's awesome that you compiled the best ones but i want to did you compile any of the worst ones those are the those are the ones that i want to have a, were there any doozies out there that were like oof there's you have to look well, at there's that. a doozy yeah there's one that's regularly cited for all of the psychotic stuff right like i think there's enough research that's been done to indicate that kratom does not cause uh, we have no evidence to indicate that Kratom has uh, um, the potential to cause hallucinations and delusions. But there was a yeah. study, an early study done in 75, of a lot of people who had hallucinations and delusions and also mm. used Kratom. And that's been used to perpetuate this idea that, uh, that Kratom is, I mean, it's only associated with hallucinations and delusions because they associated it with them <laughs> in their paper. Weird. Yeah. So now, so now papers cited and say it's associated with hallucination and delusions, but there's no indication that the two are, you know, it's it's based on other confounds. So that stuff that exists. Was, so that was like, maybe that was like decades ago when people were just like, drugs make you go crazy. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's that could be it. We we kicked that one out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows yeah. didn't, didn't need to look didn't much further to go far with that one. <laughs> once, you, once you're warning people about the hallucin the hallucinations um, caused by Kratom you probably don't need to look too, well, too close into the legitimacy of the that's the thing too the people who take it know I mean if, if, if right. people who were federally funded to do cannabis abuse smoked enough weed 
they wouldn't be going on, you know, talking to the newspapers saying, well, it could be that the weed caused that guy to eat the other guy's face. Um, yeah. You know, because sativa <laughs> might cause hallucinations and who knows after that, right? It's just that right, it's, right. Real, it's uh, that that's what happens with Kratom. Too. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, uh, amazing having you. I, I mean, boy, this was, I, I was almost, I have to say going into this. Oh God. Mo I was almost hoping that you were going to give me more cause for caution than than you have because because i no no because i because i sometimes worry that i'm like a little overly evangelical about kratom and i, I i'd like to consider myself to be a somewhat cautious when when kind of being prescriptive to others not necessarily in my own use mm -hmm. and this has been pretty validating in that I am no longer, I was, you know, the concern was I would maybe have you on and be like, Ooh, whoops. Maybe uh -huh. I shouldn't have told, uh, told people that I'd had good benefit. If, if, if you would have came on and been like, well, here's this thing that you didn't know about that's causing all sorts of problems. But, um, after talking with you, I'm, uh, I, I feel as good about Kratom as I ever have. And I, I hope that, uh, I hope that, more research continues to happen and and even more importantly i hope more people hear about it now talking with you i'm like boy i, I want i want more people to get the word out there and and potentially uh explored at least in terms of just doing their own research online and and looking into it if if it's uh if if um pain management is something that they're struggling with so thank you, Mark, for joining me. This has been a really terrific conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having yeah. me. Yeah, and thank you, listener, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. Here we are. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now you get to hear what was supposed to be the intro. Well, it sounds a little weird now because it was meant to be an intro, but now it's just chuck full of information. So we put it in the end. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Those of you that listen all, all the way to the end, you are, of course, my favorites. Welcome to the Here We Are podcast, everybody. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update on a bunch of things before we get started. We're going to be talking about Kratom today. It's a really, really, really terrific episode. Um, I think you're going to like it uh, quite a bit. I actually asked some fans on Discord for... Uh, so if you follow me on... on if you support me on Patreon and and you have access to my Discord and uh, uh, can chat with other Here We Are fans on there, and, and Discord is super cool, a way of uh, being in a troll-free zone and also selecting the categories of things that interest you. So rather everything like blah and one timeline and 
um, uh, there's, you know, a category for say politics. So if you're, if you hate politics, you never click on that section. If you love politics, you go on that section and chat with people. Same with, uh, with, uh, people sharing their art or, um, or, uh, mental health stuff or, or psychedelics or just chats about the show. And it's really cool. And, and so it's kind of a, a way of, separating and checking in on the topics that you're interested in but also keeping it kind of within that community and the the paywall um keeps trolls out and has people uh you know people have more of an invested interest and it's kind of a special place for the people in there and uh, people have been making a lot of friends and stuff in there as well and so uh, I, I got this, uh, this guest, Mark Swagger. I, I asked uh, fans for someone who would be good, good to talk about Kratom with, and they were right. Mark is, uh, really, really cool. And we had a terrific conversation. And so before we get to that, I wanted to just share a couple things that are going on. Um, and one, thank you for the Patreon support. So I've added, uh, game nights, um, every other week and now adding a group overshare. I'm calling it every other week, just a group chat, skipping past small talk, which makes me uncomfortable and socially awkward, uh, and just getting right into the nitty gritty of just how life is actually going, uh, you know, uh, people sharing kind of how, how the pandemic's treating them or just the things that they have, uh, various things that they have going on in, uh, in their life. And so just did the first one of those and that was really fun. Um, and super interesting to connect with people. And I, I've missed, I've missed hanging out with people after shows, but also you don't always get to pick the kind of environment after shows. And sometimes in clubs, it's like people that caught their first comedy show and which is fine. Everyone needs to start somewhere. <laughs> You've never been to a comedy show before. I hope that you do. And that's possible again, but the, um, there's, you know, sometimes there's dopes that want to tell you stupid street jokes or whatever. They're just trying to connect and I'm sure they mean well, but, uh, uh, you know, it can, it can be super awkward sometimes, but then I have these really in-depth conversations with people after shows, philosophical conversations, just conversations about, you know, just real stuff. And, I, I really missed that. And so, um, so it was a, a way of, of putting the banner on the conversation of like, you know, we d did a couple minutes of small talk so everyone could say hi and get to find out where they're from. And then we got into having real conversations. Super cool. So, um, the couple things that we got going on that I have going on is I'm starting a comedy podcast. So I'll now have two podcasts. I've needed a po comedy podcast for some time, but with touring, 
all of the time it didn't really make sense for me and i was just like so burnt out on comedy all of the time because i i you know i was touring i was doing so many shows every single week here we are has been just such a reprieve from that for me to be able to um uh, express the other aspect of who I am um, is something I really love about this show to be able to dive into what my guest does and you know, ask them really in-depth questions and uh, yeah we have we have some laughs along the way and everything but uh, they're uh, I don't I don't force it and I in I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, one, I don't ever want to make my guests feel uncomfortable, but I also, I just don't like forcing um, the laughs that aren't there, you know, the, the or, or trying too hard to make uh, something funny. I mean, I'm sure I still do from time to time, you know. <laughs> uh it, it missed the mark and you tried a little hard and it's a little cringy or whatever right and here we are it's been such a great way for me to just completely yeah i built i've always built it as a science build it as a science podcast uh, yeah i happen to be a comedian but i'm just deeply passionate and interested in science i have this amazing opportunity to talk with all of these incredible researchers and academics and uh and so it's really satiated this other aspect of of who i am and been like i said kind of a reprieve from being over overly satiated with comedy all the time almost being nauseated by the amount of always having to be on and muster the you know um and and i actually don't even really miss touring I'm, which is crazy because i love i love touring but i i just kind of um i've just kind of accepted the pandemic for what it is and i i don't spend a lot of time um yearning for uh um the the parallel universe of of what could be um or i avoid it uh as much as i can anyway but I'm now starting a comedy podcast, which I've been working on several different ideas of a comedy podcast for a while now. Um, and I mean, I, even even before COVID, I had liked the idea of it, but I was never in one place for long enough. And so it would have meant just kind of recording it on the road. And I'd considered that. And then since COVID, uh, I, I started last fall. I'm I recorded several episodes of a kind of tweaking a few different versions of a few things and liked everything and was having fun. Uh, in, in the beginning of COVID, I did as well. I, I had a uh, so so basically in 2020, I I recorded um, you know at least five episodes of of uh, two different podcasts to try out and experiment with. And you know, spent a fair amount of time f uh, figuring out what they're going to be and booking guests and seeing how they went. And ultimately just didn't feel quite strong enough to... There's... 
you know, sometimes there's just a moment when you know something's the right, perfect fit, and nothing was the perfect fit. And then in January, I started kind of organically. I was, uh, I, I went to be on Ramin Nazer's podcast. Who he used to edit. Here we are. He's a fantastic artist. He's a hilarious comedian. We've been working together for years, and within that, just organically in the conversation, which you'll eventually get to uh, hear, we just decided that we should be doing a podcast together, and we started recording episodes, and man, it's going really, really well, and it's uh, it's super, super, super entertaining. It's it's yeah I've, I've been doing enough podcasting over the last uh over a decade um to uh you know to know when um uh, some of them go well and some of them don't go as well and these we've just been knocking these out of the park so for the last month i've been working on, you know, we're getting art together. We changed the name once already and tweaked the vibe of the show a little bit here and there and and uh, getting theme song together and uh, just setting up all the various socials and doing all of that sort of thing uh, to get that ready to go. And, um, and so I'm... I'm it's felt good uh, being away from comedy for a year. It's felt good to get to uh, feel like a start feeling like a comedian again, and still getting to share. You know, all these. If you hear me on like Duncan's podcast or Pete Holmes, or you know, you hear me on someone else's podcast, and you know, I, I love weaving all these uh, science ideas together into kind of bigger philosophical things and doing them with a with uh uh some jokes and and some fun and a little more kind of speculation than we do on this show and so it's a way of doing that uh and uh and we've been having like huge just gut laughs uh consistently on every single episode and so it's been it's been really exciting and I'm thrilled to be putting it together. So, because, um, uh, so I'm going to be tweaking things like I'm getting rid of this. I didn't even notice how bad this camera that I've been using the autofocus thing is. It's so unfortunate. It's such a nice picture otherwise. And I can't figure out how to turn off. I searched around everywhere because I finally realized just how bad bad it was i uh you know it's probably you'll probably really notice it now but um i'm doing some things to take care of that making some changes and one of the reasons you know because i've been interviewing academics remotely i haven't gone too far out of the way with everything else on my plate upgrading like the studio or the look or the equipment or anything else just because the 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 limitations that my guests are going to have it's you know it's only just going to be more of a contrast in the quality but now that there's uh ramin and i are doing something together and it's the two of us every episode 
now we're we're going to work on putting together, uh, um, uh, you know, a, kind of a higher production value thing. And uh, so uh, uh, along with that, here we are. We'll also start looking a little bit different and uh, probably doing a few uh, smaller upgrades uh, as well. Like we just we just created a here we are Instagram uh, recently um, and just to, uh, the this backdrop and everything will, will probably look different by next episode, but uh, got a lot of things going on um, that I'm super excited about and can't wait to share more with you. And all of this is thanks to Patreon, which will now be all of what pays for everything for uh, for the Here We Are podcast. I'm getting rid of ads for this show. No more ads. I've been with the network for a while now. It's been great. Uh, but you know, when I started the show, the first two or three years. I didn't do ads, um, any of you guys that have been listening for long enough, and I kind of swore I was never going to do ads, and I, yeah, I got talked into it, and it was a nice experiment, and it's been great to get um, uh, support and uh, and sponsors and have a, have a network backing it and everything, but um, I, the way that the landscape is changing, um, I think that this is an opportunity to try no ads again. I think you guys are going to notice the difference and appreciate not having the show interrupted. There will be ads on, on YouTube um, because because YouTube won't send it out to more people if you don't have ads attached to it because they don't have anything to gain from um, people's videos that have their ads turned off. And so you kind of got to play the game there. But in terms of the audio downloads and uh, and really, I should start uploading the videos on, on Patreon. Uh, we're we're going to work on that, trying to get them out ahead of time. Um, it's it's I think that uh, I'm interested in if anything in the future, I want to explore maybe going with a subscription model if I can't make enough money from Patreon um, to to meet my costs. Boy, it'd be nice to make an income one day off of this show that I put tons of work into. Um, and uh, but we'll see. Uh, but anyway, uh, Patreon covers all those all the costs of the show to get it edited and everything else. And so your your support matters a great deal, and and the show will continue to improve, including starting in March. No more ads. I, I, I might still have, uh, you know, the partners that I've been like Libro.fm or Lost Sailor uh, who like, ma- makes my merch and stuff for me, you know, friends of my companies that I've worked with for years where I can say whatever I want, put the ad in anytime that I want, wait till the end of the episode or whatever and insert it anywhere without the pressures of having to interrupt the show or have it be a certain length or say a certain number of talking points or kind of be talked into, um, uh, you know, doing ads for things that, you know, aren't 
necessarily things that I use or are interested in. And by the way, I've rejected so many ads over the years. So many, probably like, probably like four out of five, uh, ads, um, that, that I I'm asked to do. And, uh, and so, you know, and it was just getting annoying for everybody. Um, and so, uh, and, but I don't, <laughs> man, there, it's been one of the things with this, with this pandemic is, whew, has made me realize just how, how powerful motivated reasoning is and, and the narratives people are telling themselves. And if you just look at all these supplement peddlers out there that are just, it's, it's not, it's not just selling you a supplement and pitching an ad. It's taking over their entire mind, their entire perspective, the guests they're getting on their shows and everything else. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm, uh, I'm interested in, um, not thinking about any of that crap. I'm just done thinking about that crap. And now I get to, you know, it, I, I would, I would rather, I would rather post something on discord and be like, Hey, who's a good person to talk with? Uh, Kratom about because I don't have any stake in it. I don't have some brand I'm trying to pitch you. I don't, I'm not even telling you to take Kratom. I'm not even sure if you should or not. I just want to have an interesting conversation with someone and you don't have to, I don't have to worry about selling you Shane Moss's Kratom, you know, and, and overselling it and giving some biased perspective and, God, there's a lot of grifting going on out there and it's just out of hand. And so, and all that to then have episodes interrupted and everything else, which I, I mean, I ho usually I save these long winded things to the end for, so people aren't like, oh my God, when's he going to get to the interview? I hope, you know, you can always fast forward through these intros and you aren't going to break my heart, but, uh, uh, I just like filling people in with kind of what, what's going on behind the scenes and giving some updates. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for that. And I do hope, look, I don't want to beg or like guilt, you know, it's always this weird thing with the various ways in which we have to sell ourselves or figure out a way how to make a living doing the things that we love or, or, uh, promote what we do. But, um, I'm very much interested in Patreon. Uh, I like the way it's been shaping up. If, if those of you that follow me on it have seen, I've been experimenting and doing more shows and adding more things over the last six months, but even especially this year. And so I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled to kind of just put, put my eggs in that basket for now, see how it goes. You can still, you can go to the, here we are podcast and you can send me stuff on PayPal uh, and stuff too. I, I have links on there. I, sh I should add a Bitcoin um, link as well. I've been meaning to do that for man, like two years. Uh, <laughs> uh, always, uh, always the procrastinator. But um, 
anyway, all that all that being said is, you know, maybe down the line um with a with the new podcast or something we'll we'll explore doing some sort of subscription model like a, a couple people do and that way i can still offer a subscription to people that can't afford it you know and and you can still listen in but it's a way it would be a way of kind of getting normal uh regular um income and without having to do the ads thing and being beholden to that so i'm excited i'm excited to just kind of be reassessing everything and launching this new project and kind of um making some improvements and seeing if it pays off so support me on patreon and enjoy today's episode